0: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White. An on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show.
1: Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron Dietrich here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in Westmore, alongside from the Washita Citizen, Jake Martin. Mr. Martin, how are you doing this morning?
2: What is up? Man, um, I hope people have enjoyed our breakdown of the conferences. I posed a a scenario for you yesterday, Uh and I think that people will like it. So, July is the slowest month, would you say, for us? By far. All right. Well, I feel like the, these conference breakdowns this week have given us plenty to talk about. Uh-huh. I feel like Top Ten Thursday this week, in connection with the conference breakdowns, should be Top Ten 2018 college football games this season. Next week, we have media days. We could do Top Ten SEC media day moments, because there have been a lot of them. And then the following week, we could finally, the last week of July, get to Top Ten movies.
1: Boy. So it gives you a little bit more time to break down the movies. It Get does your list straight.
2: It does, but it also—I feel like that week we could have, I mean, we could devote that whole week to sports movies. Yeah. I mean, what better week than the last week in July mm. to do it?
1: Uh, start doing some research on the top ten games for tomorrow for top ten Thursday, and we love these uh, publications. And of course, everybody piping in and with their opinions and predictions and picks for the upcoming year. Sure. But uh, Athlon Magazine, and we did a thing on it last week oh, okay. with their <laughs> top, uh, they ranked the 130 coaches, and we agreed, I would say, with a majority of uh, their rankings. But when they're putting together the top ten games for next year and your number one game, according to them, will be we played November 23rd in Morgantown, West Virginia, between West Virginia and Oklahoma.
2: Man, people must be excited about our Big 12 preview <laughs> today, right?
1: Uh, LSU Alabama, by the way. Where are they at? Does not crack the list.
2: <laughs> how many? How many are there? Twenty-five. Not in the top twenty-five. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But uh, I understand not being a top ten game anymore uh-huh. because Alabama has dominated, and I and I imagine there's some national fatigue surrounding that game. But you gotta include it in the top twenty-five.
1: I mean, you got LSU Georgia at number six according to Athlon magazine. You got LSU Miami at number eight. You got LSU uh, Auburn also in the top twenty-five. But no LSU Alabama. Maybe that was just an oversight. It LSU Auburn be- is at number twelve. So three of the top twelve games feature LSU, but not uh, but does not have LSU Alabama in there.
2: I'm curious. Can you can you tell us the top five that they have? Number one, of course, was West Virginia. West Virginia,
1: Virginia, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Penn State. At
2: two? Yes.
1: Number three, uh, Auburn versus Georgia. Number four, Auburn versus Alabama. And at number five, USC-Texas.
2: USC-Texas is a top five game. Is that just because of what happened last year and how great that game was? Because they do realize what USC lost from last year, right? Interesting.
1: I just think it's the fact that, you know, Tom Herman, this will be a huge ball game for him. Oh,
2: man, yeah, but that is not top five. What about Michigan, Notre Dame?
1: Clemson, Texas A&M, number nine. Number nine? Jimbo Fisher's opportunity, Where's
2: Auburn, Washington at? Is that on the list? Give me time. That is a, okay, the reason Auburn, Washington deserves top five or I should say top ten. I don't want to say top five without looking at every single game. But top ten, I think, because Auburn has a legitimate chance to win the SEC West. Washington has to win that game. I think the Pac-12 is so thin this year that Washington has to win that game if they're going to go to the college football playoff. Mm.
1: TCU at Ohio State, September 15th.
2: So, so was it not on the list? I haven't thought it yet. That is awful. Mm. Big
1: oversight. 888-993-7762. The Stewart Shelby Goosehead Insurance hotline slash text line. See how the power of choice can help you save on home and auto insurance. Phone number is 588-7474. Let's dive into some headlines, and I would say another hodgepodge of headlines on this Wednesday morning.
2: Yeah. Do you want to go heroics, or do you want to go with the police beat this morning?
1: Uh, let's go Heroics. Okay. <laughs> Should we start with our Houston Astros?
2: Yes. None other than ours. So, y- you go ahead and tell it. You look excited to talk about it. Uh, they
1: won. <laughs> six to five in 11 innings. <laughs> Alex Bregman, two for five. Would that tell the story?
2: Yeah, no, that's that's perfect. That's all they need to know. So, if you hadn't seen how the Astros won last night, was it runners on first and second? Uh, Alex Bregman comes to the plate. He hits a small little dribbler, which, by the way, he's. I think they won a game earlier this year by him hitting a little small uh-huh. dribbler. Or maybe – no, what it was was it was a pop-up. It was an infield pop-up that won the yeah. game. Um, anyway, he hits a little dribbler. It looks like it's foul. The catcher goes to pick it up, and he sees that it's fair. He grabs it. He turns to tag Bregman. The ball flies out of his hand. Yeah. Bregman takes off for first. Bregman
1: avoided the tag. Some are calling him the uh, world champion of tag.
2: There you go. He, he goes. To, the catcher goes to pick up the ball, throws it to first, and he completely throws A-mails it. I mean, he airmails it. And so, therefore, the that gave enough time for the runner on second to cross home plate, and the Astros won in walk-off fashion. One of the strangest walk-offs we've ever seen.
1: Do you believe in that thing, a uh, team of destiny? Wins like this for the Astros just say.
2: yeah it checks the box
1: did you send the clip to tabers i
2: did tabes you, you got that ready
0: alex two home runs for the first time in his career single will work here tapper near the plate and everybody's in play they both advance the throws away the astros are gonna win it
3: the astros are gonna win
0: Alex avoid the tag. Here we go. Larry Vandover. Right. Safe. Astros walk it off in one of the weirdest finishes you will ever see. Ever.
2: That was Little League stuff. It really was. <laughs> it really was. But, uh, hey, good for our Astros.
1: I didn't even think it was fair either. But It didn't look they fair. They did review it.
2: Yeah, they reviewed it. I mean, hey, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Aaron. That may have
1: been our best Houston Astros update of the summer. We actually like we had a call that, in there.
2: I feel like we said that a lot. I feel like we're getting better at these Astros <laughs> updates. I think we're spoiling people, really.
1: And, but they're probably winding down middle of August, September.
2: Are we even going to have it? I don't know. <laughs> That's going
1: to be one of those editorial decisions. Yeah. Other headlines on this Wednesday morning.
2: Uh, I guess we're going to the police beat, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So, LaShawn McCoy.
1: We always say this is a tough time of the year. This is it. This is where you hold your breath. NFL coaches, executives are like, oh, no, a lot of free time out there.
2: Yeah, so Sean McCoy, um, let's just say his estranged girlfriend was allegedly beaten and robbed of jewelry Tuesday, and people are connecting this to McCoy because he owns the house.
1: You don't want to jump to conclusions here, but... (laughs)
2: <laughs> he owns the house. Uh-huh. It's in Atlanta. It's in a Atlanta suburb.
1: This ex-girlfriend is living in She's his living house. There, uh, he tried. It's an to, estranged relationship,
2: right? He tried to have her evicted. That's pretty estranged. Yes. Um. He, also, in,
1: he had previously asked her for jewelry back that he
2: yes. gave her. Right, and then so this male assailant comes in and he demands specific <laughs> items of jewelry specific items of jewelry. So, uh, of course, uh, it's reported that she had cuts and bruises. I don't think we've seen anything else as to how hurt she was or how injured she was. But when you look at these details, Aaron. Uh, If you looked at the pictures of her, it was rough. It was rough. you look at the pictures as well. So, how bad is this for LeSean McCoy? Uh, It's pretty bad. How many games will he get? Because Uh, now the attention turns to the NFL, or is this going to be another – Long process before we actually see LaShawn McCoy serve time.
1: I hate to jump to conclusions, but it doesn't look good. I hope man. he's got a good attorney. <laughs> he comes out on uh, when was it on Instagram immediately after some of these pictures released yesterday? And his uh, statement was for the record, the uh, totally baseless and offensive claims made against me today on social media are completely false. Furthermore. I have not had any direct contact with any of the people involved in MUTs. First of all, so he—I don't. how often do you say furthermore in one of your texts or any time? I, I don't know if this came from him or not. I certainly, furthermore is not one of those words that
2: I would use. No, it's not. It's not a <laughs> word we use on this show very regularly. Let's just say Maybe that. we should put it in there. Furthermore. Uh, people like that better than obviously. Yes. Um, secondly, so in that statement, he says, I don't know any of the people involved. Yeah. Is that what he said, or, or he hasn't talked to any of the people involved?
1: I uh, just says, for the record, the totally baseless and offensive claims made against me today on social media are completely false. Furthermore, I have not had any direct contact with any of the people involved in months.
2: So, doesn't that – I get it, but doesn't that sound like maybe he knew the, the person who was trying to uh, – you know? You, you don't know? want to
1: jump to conclusions. Straight.
2: Well, you know, if you're using words like furthermore, you might want to –
1: this does not look good, though.
2: No, it doesn't look good at all.
1: And the NFL, of course, is cringing. You're talking about the Buffalo Bills running back uh, coming off another solid year, 1,138 yards. In fact, you look at his statistics over the last five seasons, Shady McCoy has rushed for over 1,000 yards five of the last six years. And wow. in his career, hmm. uh, nine-year career, he has rushed for over 1,000 yards six times. Yeah. That's is what you call productive.
2: Yeah, so it's not a stretch to say he's their best offensive player. Mm. So, yeah. Um, and also, a- after this has all come out, you're going to have Cowboys fans and Bucks fans kind of throwing their arms in there going, What you going to do, NFL? What you going to do, Goodell? Let's see justice here.
1: Mm. Also, on the police blotter this morning, uh, prosecutors say former NFL cornerback Brandon Browner has been charged with trying to kill his ex girlfriend. After breaking into a Southern California home, Browner, who won Super Bowls with the Seahawks and the Patriots, was arrested Sunday east of L.A. L.A. uh, County District Attorney's Office says the 33-year-old was charged Tuesday with attempted murder, first-degree residential robbery, and other counts. Brandon Browner is in hot water.
2: So you remember how we were talking about how the NBA was still in all the headlines Uh, in the summer? I think the NFL would rather that. Yeah, let's go back to talking about Magic meeting with LeBron.
1: Prosecutors say Browner broke into the apartment, chased and dragged the woman, and then tried to smother her in a carpet. Prosecutors say he also stole a Rolex watch valued at $20,000. That is your police blotter on this Wednesday
2: morning. (laughs) That was rough. Yeah, pretty rough. Uh,
1: You mentioned, how about the storyline with Magic Johnson? How about it? So now more details are coming out on how he persuaded LeBron to come to L.A. It all culminated with this huge meeting between LeBron and Magic Johnson. Johnson certainly knew how important this was to the future of the franchise and perhaps his legacy as a general manager, administrator, perhaps. Magic doesn't take himself so seriously that he – gets to LeBron's house an hour before the meeting. That's my kind of guy. And is sitting outside LeBron's house for an entire hour waiting.
2: Love it. Yes. Love it. Uh, he, knew, he knew he opened his big mouth and knew he had to deliver. So uh, he, he made sure he, he was early for the meeting. No, I like that. But what I like even more is when you read the story and you hear him talk talk about the conversation he had with LeBron. And how he didn't have to sell him on what the Lakers had because he knew more than Magic did. He was he was telling Magic all the weaknesses, all the all the strengths of the teams. He was breaking everything down, which, you know, I, I suspect nothing less or expect nothing less from a guy like LeBron who has been uh, not only one of the best players in the league, but one of the smartest players in the league. When you when you look at his uh, basketball IQ, I mean, it is top notch. So. I thought that was cool to kind of kind of get a glimpse as to what a meeting between two of the all-time greats was like. Hmm.
1: I just like the fact that he
2: Showed took up traffic
1: out of the picture, maybe a flat tire or anything like that. Or you don't want to Perhaps the fact it, that he actually maybe – did he even actually drive himself over to this meeting? He doesn't have a driver, Magic Johnson.
2: Uh, probably, look, I, I like it just because, yeah, like I said, he opened his mouth, he had to deliver – he wasn't going to risk traffic or, or a flat tire from, from disrupting his meeting.
1: <laughs> and then, of course, uh, James's agent, when it's time to you know, contact the Lakers about their decision, he sends uh, Lakers GM Rob Polinka a text that says congratulations and then pictures of balloons.
2: No, 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 no. It's a congrats with the effect of the balloons. Okay. Do you know what that is, Aaron? Yes. Have you ever gotten a text like that? Yes. Have uh, you ever sent a text no, like that? No, I refuse to do that. <laughs> I'll say this. I've never sent one on purpose. <laughs> I've accidentally done it before.
1: Uh, there are a few headlines, and, of course, the ultimate headline that, once again, that we have buried, the World Cup
0: update. <laughs>
1: God! Did you do your homework? We challenged you to watch.
2: I was working. I have a legitimate You could have it on in the background like I, I was I tried good. to, but you know, it gets a little hectic. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it gets, man, what a lame it's, excuse. It's not hectic. It's, it's, in it the was middle Juli- of July, It, it was July 10th, hectic. man. I was, I was buried in work.
1: A uh, huge win for France. One to nil over Belgium. They are advancing on to the World Cup final. Our World Cup expert, John Tabor. This was a pretty exciting ball game,
3: even though, or match, even though it only featured one goal. Correct, Tapes? Well, yes, because you've always got the ability to tie it up in Belgium's. Case with one play. So, you know, that's the game's always on the, you know, hadn't really been decided. and Belgium had their chances. Lukaku had a good shot at a header that went up and up and to the right a little bit. But, you know, they, France got the goal in the 51st minute off a header on a corner and one of the defensemen. Very well executed play and they made it stand up. So, you got one in and today we've got England and Croatia to fill The other spot, so that'll be a good one.
1: One more opportunity, Jake, to watch a semifinal match. One o'clock, as Taber says. Croatia and England. Tabes, what are you anticipating? I guess uh,
3: England, the favorite in this one? I would say going into the World Cup, no, but watching the teams play so far the last couple of weeks, I would say England's a slight favorite, but wouldn't surprise me at all if it goes to penalties. You know, or, or at least extra time. So, hey, it's it's almost a coin flip. God save the queen.
1: July 11th, you busy today now, Jake? Busy yeah,
2: I, I've actually been really busy this week, and I'm not BSing. I've had more. I mean, I've got three different things And, and he's
3: got a newborn, dude. I I'll,
2: I'll,
3: I'll even cut him slack on that one. Right.
2: <laughs> but I, I have been surprisingly more busy in July. Than I should be. Uh Uh, I think it would be busier. Busier, yeah. Well, (laughs) I'll attribute that to the newborn, the (laughs) lack of sleep. (laughs) Those uh, 4 o'clock feedings are are really fun.
3: Hey, uh, World Cup final Sunday, Tabes? Correct, Sunday. Got the third place game on Saturday. I I posted Uh, that and I had a buddy put it in a question form. Third place game, (laughs) like, what's what's the point? (laughs) Yeah, you I
1: mean, remember back in the day, the Final Four, they'd have the consolation game also, and I was like, "Ugh, who's gonna watch that?"
2: Hold up, we've got a World Cup text. Oh,
1: this it, may be a
2: first. I think it is the first. If it's Vito says, if it's France and England in the finals, it will be like World War Three in Europe. Hmm. Good text, Vito. Glad to see people are paying attention to the World Cup.
1: Let's get to our starting lineup, brought to you by Louisiana Pink. The starting lineup. Are you crying?
0: Are you crying? Starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Let's no crying. Let's get
1: to the starting lineup. All right, uh, a little short on guests today, so that means we want to hear more from you at 888-993-7762. 8 8, 9, 9, 7, 7, we do look forward to hearing from Dr. Jeff Counts at 730. If you've got a medical question or comment for him, hit us up. Our football previews continue. Today we move to the
2: Big 12. Hope you like Points and lots of points. By the way, tomorrow—if if you're just tuning in—we said that tomorrow will be Top 10 Thursday. It will be the Top 10 2018 college football games. Why don't you send us some suggestions? Which game are you looking forward to most of this year on national stage? Games like the Iron Bowl and, and Michigan Ohio State are, are give right? But what about games like Auburn, Washington, uh, TCU, Ohio State? Yeah. Florida, Mississippi State, don't scoff. That's a big one when Mullen returns to start. Uh,
1: Tommy says Auburn versus anyone shouldn't be in any poll, will be irrelevant uh, by
2: Week 10. Week 10. Yeah, the only thing with that, though, is the Auburn game means a lot more to Washington. Washington needs that game.
1: Uh, So uh, we'll do a Big 12 preview coming up later. Our conversations with legends will continue. Unfortunately, I was unable to track down my interview with uh, Chick Childress from a few years ago, but we do have some audio from Chick just on his legendary career, and of course, his connection with Charlie Brown through the years. You're not going to want to miss that coming up later in the show. Also, uh, Pete Jenkins had an opportunity, I know he was on Fox's show, but he also met with the uh, uh, media a few weeks ago at a camp, and I went back through it and listened to it yesterday, and really, it's just some gold in this interview on Arden Key, on Rashard Lawrence, and, of course, a little bit on his career comparing LSU fans to some rowdy NFL fanatics.
2: Yeah, this was the interview where you could see, if you watch the video, they asked about Rashard Lawrence, and he got so giddy, you know, and had a lot of great things to say about Rashard Lawrence.
1: 888 993 We got some SEC news coming up after the break the morning drive on the sports talk 97.7 is back after this all right jake we got a number of uh here go ahead and uh, dive in all
2: right this is my favorite one ty says so i'm at dave and buster's i was ordering a drink and at the time croatia scores a goal and people go crazy behind me i was like dang that's a lot of croatia fans in the house i turn around and it was jurassic park virtual reality <laughs> right <laughs> good stuff ty what else we got? You got Doc. Oh, Doc's trying to make a joke. He says, I wonder if Browner got a holding or pass interference penalty while attempting to murder his girlfriend. Mm. Uh, Tommy says, Celebrities, no matter what profession, should not be punished any more or less harshly than anyone else. Prosecute all as we would any other criminal. If a league or team has penalties in place for felony or misdemeanor offenders, then enforce those as well. Mm.
1: Hogan says poor Verlander pitched 8 innings of no run ball and got the no decision because we have no closers. Mm. Reference in the, the Astros in the course but and really win. win in 11 innings 6 to 5 in an unlikely fashion.
2: Let me ask this. And I do you value win loss records for pitchers like do you look at that as I think I value ERA more. You know what I mean? Because of things like that, because sometimes you can get no decisions or you can, you know, sometimes get a loss in a 2-1 game. You know what I mean? I think I value ERA more than win-loss. But I'm just curious to see if I'm alone in that that aspect.
1: Uh, SEC Media Days, of course, uh, inching closer next week. We do have some uh, news from the, the conference. Where would you like to start here, Drake?
2: Well, um, let's start with Bama. Okay. Let's they lose
1: another linebacker. Uh, Terrell Lewis, I believe, is his name. Didn't play in a lot of games last year. I think 10 overall hurt. only made uh, one start. Uh, torn ACL, but this comes on the heels, of course, after Saban cut another linebacker earlier this week. So uh, their linebacking core is taking a hit.
2: So it's interesting because uh, Vandarius Cowan was kicked off two days ago. And then, like you said yesterday, Terrell Lewis, who – Suffered an arm injury and missed 10 games last year towards ACL. So I remember previewing the, uh, this Alabama team with somebody uh, this year, and I was kind of going through it and saying, listen, their linebacker course is going to be nasty because they suffered all those injuries a year ago. Now they get those guys back. and Now you got guys like Dylan Moses who will be more seasoned. I think the linebacker's gonna, linebacker position is going to be the strength of this team. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, what, what is it, July 11th, and now you've got back-to-back linebacker injuries, and now you're starting to go. If you're an Alabama fan, you're going, oh, man, we've seen this story before. We've seen how this plays out. Uh, you still won the national championship, so I guess you shouldn't be too concerned. But still, um, you know, linebacker was a, was an issue uh, at some po- at a certain point last year because of all the injuries they sustained.
1: Staying with uh, Alabama. So, it's making its rounds on social media. A youth pastor in Alabama somehow got Nick Saban's phone number.
2: So, are we sure this guy is in Alabama, Uh, this youth pastor? He's from Henderson. Okay. Well, does he want to send in his um, letter of resignation or (laughs) –
1: so he thinks it would be funny to uh, prank call Nick Saban the and act, act like you're a coach.
2: The most popular man in the state. And then have
1: one of your buddies record the conversation and then plaster it all over social
2: media. Uh-huh.
1: Is this going to work out well for Mr. Uh, Mark Malone?
2: No. Um, no, it will not. Because we all know that football comes first. And I'm not saying it's right. We'd but play the, comes we'd first,
1: play the audio for you, but quite frankly, it was pretty boring. And Saban was just on the other line. Yeah.
2: It Contact was. one of my other coaches. You know, you had a great opportunity I'm on there. vacation. You've got <laughs> the goat himself on the line, and you get an opportunity to, uh, you know, this is your moment to do something funny. Yeah. And I think he squandered it, yeah. if I'm being honest. To the
1: youth pastor? We
2: can't even play it. Yeah. It's that boring. Yeah. We can't even play it.
1: I just don't think it's going to work out well for him. I don't and, think and, so either. You know, and how childish. Who it, does prank calls anymore? That's true. Uh,
2: even if it
1: is disabled.
2: Although I will say, when I was in college, uh, right. a buddy of mine called into Feinbaum acting like, and, and uh, what was he Alabama fan? Uh-huh. And uh, man, it was funny.
1: Speaking of Feinbaum, uh, continued to work on his deal with ESPN and the ESP uh, SEC Network. Dan Wilkin from uh, USA Today had a headline that said, "That is the biggest news next week for the SEC Media Days." That's certainly not the case. He's taking a lot of pushback from that. But uh, Feinbaum on his daily shows, and if you've seen it, people continue to call in. They want him to work it out. They say they'll follow him anywhere. I don't know if if they'll be following him to Big Ten, but this is going to get worked out. He needs the SEC network more than they need him.
2: Uh, Well, yes. Uh, And I'll say this. I'd like Feinbaum's show to a point because I do like to hear those crazy fans call in. It is you know, if I want some comedy, if I want some comedic value, I enjoy that. That said, I never value what Feinbaum says. Like I never value him breaking down a game because I, I just don't think he knows the game in that way. Now, he knows the history of the game because he's covered it, or the history of the conference because he's covered it for so long, but you know, he's a hot take kind of guy, and I don't really like those hot take guys. I do like his audience because they, they crack me up, but uh, I'm like you. I feel like... They can, they can use that SEC network to play more baseball games or basketball games in place of that. I remember, you know, this last college baseball season, they were playing uh, Bomb instead of a a, region, a couple of regionals where the SEC teams were playing, and I was very upset about that because I was like, why can't I watch, uh, you know, Mississippi State or, or Arkansas here?
1: And finally, LSU has not released its list of the players that will be going to SEC media days, but you would certainly think – Rashard Lawrence, former Neville standout, will be one. If they really wanted to make a splashy appearance at, at in uh, Atlanta this year, you send Joe Burrow.
2: They're not sending Joe Burrow. <laughs> They're going to send – I've got my guess. They're going to send Rashard, Devin White. Yeah. Devin White will be there. And Foster Moreau. Yes. I'll um, be shocked if it's not those three.
1: This is what it's come down to. We're discussing who (laughs) LSU will send to the SEC media days. Hey. Coming up next, Dr. Jeff Counts will save us. If you've got a medical question for him, hit us up at 888-993-7762. We're back after this. Uh, Welcome back to the show. Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group 1 Realty Studio in West Monroe. Uh, Making an effort to get a hold of Dr. Jeff Counts right now. Maybe he had to have surgery or something. So, Jake, uh, if you want to look at these uh, texts we have, uh, you asked, uh, are wins overrated in baseball, a pitching record? Yes.
2: Uh, We got some good texts about that, by the way. Sherman says, whip is my favorite pitching stat. ERA, I think, is the most important stat, though. And Ben chimes in and says, wins and losses for pitchers in MLB carry very little value these days. ERA carries some weight, but analytics play huge roles, such as soft contact percentage, hard contact percentage, strikeouts, walks, Etc. So, kind of verifying uh, what I said that wins and losses I don't think are, are as big a deal these days. If you
1: got a uh, call or text, you can hit us up on the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance hotline slash text line 888 993 7762. Go to stuartshelby.com for a free quote. See how the power of choice can help you save on home and auto insurance. That phone number is 588 7474.
2: All right. Well, I guess we have no other choice but to start our Big 12 preview, Aaron. You want to go there? Yeah, uh, might as well because, you know, I don't know about you, but I've enjoyed kind of going through these conferences and, and, and talking about some of the, the biggest storylines in each conference. And for the Big 12, I – Let's start first with some news. Uh,
1: Lincoln Riley came out with what uh, his quote a, a week or two ago talking about yeah, – the uh, defenses. Was it Georgia's defense? Yeah.
2: He said Georgia's defense, a defense as good as Georgia would struggle in the Big 12 against those offenses. His whole point there was saying that there are better defenses in the Big 12 than people give them credit for. The offenses are just so far ahead of the game.
1: And, of course, that gets everybody riled up in the SEC saying, what, you're saying Georgia's defense can't hang with those offenses? And he was just saying week week in and week out. Statistically, of course, they would take a beating.
2: Yes, and, you know, to his credit, Georgia did have a, a pretty good um, – or I should say Oklahoma had a pretty good performance against Georgia in the bowl game offensively. Um, I mean, they, they, I, I can't remember the score off the of top of my head, but they scored, what, upward of 40 points against against them. So there's some validation there. The thing is, though, this is all speculation. You know, we, we don't know. I mean, TCU has had success in, in that conference with its great defenses. Mm-hmm. You know, so it can be done. I think if a great – I think you you mean to tell me that if if saving goes to the Big 12, you think he's going to have trouble slowing down every single offense? You think he's going to – now, the, the average might go up a little bit because he's going to be seeing better offenses than he sees in the SEC. I'll give you that. But I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, defense will ultimately take a back seat. I mean, we've seen some games with Oklahoma State where defense actually kind of carried the, the weight of the, of the game. Was it o- uh, Iowa State, Oklahoma State? It was a game like that where I just remember it being very low scoring, and I was very surprised to see that because anytime you tune in to see Oklahoma State, you expect to see mm-hmm. Mason Rudolph chunking touchdowns. So anyway, uh, that's kind of my thoughts on on that whole Lincoln rally. Subject, but as far as the Big 12 goes this this year, Aaron, mm-hmm. big picture. Big picture, I put them last in the Power 5. I put them behind the Pac-12. In my head, I'm still working out the very top, but I, I'll go ahead and today, and then this might change, but today I have the SEC first, Big 10 second, uh, ACC third, then the Pac-12, then the Big 12. Now, the reason why I'm pointing that out is because – I think you're going to have a similar situation as to what I was talking about with Washington. These teams in in the Big 12, when they face other teams out of the conference, it is much more important for them to pick up victories because you have to impress the committee. You have to show the committee that, hey, we can can beat other top-tier teams in other leagues because, quite frankly, you've got ten teams in this league and I would say half are – you know going to be fighting for, for bowl opportunities mm. you know so overall i think this league is is pretty weak and you know you can go to the top i think we can start with oklahoma mm-hmm. because that's what everybody's going to be going to be circling they're they're a team of interest because
1: and let's start with their head coach lincoln riley
2: and that's where i was going they're a team of interest because lincoln riley did a an exceptional job last year i, th- I think it's i think it's something to be said about um a coach who has to step in last minute and who has to kind of ride right the ship. And and it was his first job as, as a head coach, and he did a tremendous job. That said, he had the benefit of working with Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to go out there and teach Baker Mayfield anything new. Mayfield had been running that offense. Mayfield knew how to run that offense as well. And, you know, they had a lot of uh, great skill players uh, alongside him. So I want to see – with with this team the, the Sooners return a lot of skill players in total they have a, around i would say 10 starters turn on both sides of the ball so that's going to be tougher for Lincoln Riley to overcome than inheriting you know the keys of the kingdom last year with Baker Mayfield at quarterback so that said i still think they're good enough to win the conference but you know it's going to be a, a lot tougher um when when you look at losing a guy like Baker
1: uh, we'll resume this conversation here in a minute. Dr. Jeff Counts does join us on the Stuart Shelby Goosehead Insurance Hotline. Dr. Counts, how are you doing this morning,
0: bud? I'm good, guys. How are y'all?
1: Good. Uh, we're just trying to get our football fixed, of course, as the, the season inches closer. We can't wait, and I know you can't either. i got a couple of medical questions for you. First of all, I saw a study that's revealing now but athletes between the ages of 15 and 19 are making up 57% of Tommy John surgeries. The number seems staggering to me. Uh, what do you think? Does that seem possible in, at 57%? Uh, some are saying that could be epidemic proportions. Do you agree?
0: You know, I, I actually read that that same study uh, a couple of weeks ago, and um, it doesn't surprise me, to be honest with you. You know, we've, mm. we've talked over the, you know, over the years, about how um, we have seen you know a younger and younger population of, of athletes who are who are suffering this injury and um, and then ultimately under you know having to undergo this particular surgery. and um, you know it really doesn't surprise me a bit with with um, you know the the things that we've talked about, you know the the travel ball and the and the pitching clinics and you know the different throwing academies that are around, and, and not that those are bad things, but it's you know it's just one of those things where this is an overuse injury in an elbow that is still maturing. You know the the bones are still growing. You know even in a teenage boy, sometimes you know up until they're into their late teens or early twenties. So with with skeletal immaturity and and the soft tissue changes that occur as as the The bones are still growing, you know. Those those types of ligaments are are at greater risk for injury, especially with you know the overuse that's being done with with year round baseball. So um, it doesn't surprise me a bit. And and yes, it is kind of an epidemic uh, in a way because until we can get the mindset of the parents and and the athletes to to kind of change a little bit, we're going to continue to see this. I mean. Um, as you know, as long as these guys are, 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 you know, going full year baseball and not getting any breaks as far as throwing with their arm, um, they're going to continue to suffer these overuse injuries.
1: Hmm. So Dr. Counts, what are some of the repercussions of teenagers having Tommy John surgery?
0: Well, I mean, there, you know, this is a, a pretty significant surgery to an elbow. So Um, anytime there's a major surgery on a joint you you have to be concerned about you know what kind of long-term issues the person's going to have you know you know these are these are not you know professional athletes that can get you know um, therapy and treatment uh, on a regular basis you know unlimited so there are potential problems down the road with recurrent injuries um you know if they try to come back too quickly then then the surgery's not going to work um there's lots of things that can happen um you know with this particular uh, problem but it's just one of those things where um you know especially if they go back into the same routine that they were doing before you know they're just setting themselves up for failure so
1: so literally the the simple solution to decrease this number 57 percent of uh, Tommy John surgeries coming with athletes between 15 and 19 is basically for having them throw in less, correct? Uh,
0: Exactly. I mean, you know, if you look at the the bigger guys in sports medicine, like, you know, the James Andrews of the world, that, you know, they have been preaching and talking about, um, you know, not playing the same sport year-round, giving certain body parts um, a break, uh, a rest period, even if it means playing in a different sport. You, you know, the kids still want to be active and they still want to be doing things. So, you know, they can change to a different sport and give their give their arm a rest for a few months. And, and, um, and then, you know, of course, the things like the pitch count that's been instituted and things like that in high school is great. Um, you know, it's a great start to limit. Um, but that, that also doesn't um, control what happens when they're not playing in the game, what are they doing, you know, outside of uh, even what the high school coach has been able to see, you know, how much are they going to the, to, like I said, the throwing academies and, and, and working with a pitching coach outside of their, you know, school. So yeah, just throwing less um, is going to help um, prevent and, and keep these injuries from, from continuing like they are. Staying along that theme, it
1: was a fear that Japanese phenom Otani was going to have to have Tommy John surgery, instead diagnosed with a UCL sprain. He's actually back at the plate and doing pretty well. But he had platelet-rich plasma injections and stem cell injections. Uh, I'd say, is this the future, basically? Is the future now with these type of injections, if
0: you can afford them? Well, I think so. I mean, you know, these, uh, these types of injections have been around Uh, for for years and years. I mean, I can remember um, during my residency, uh, we were using PRP injections, the platelet-rich plasma, um, both intraoperatively on patients as well as um, um, on non-operative patients. And, um, you know, at that time, things were just getting started as far as figuring out, you know, what it's going to work for, what it's actually going to do, you know, how is it beneficial and of course, now we're seeing it widespread. We're seeing it, you know, done in the office for injections for tendonitis and chronic, chronic injuries as well as acute injuries like this, the UCL sprain that he suffered. So, so yes, that they are beneficial. We're we're seeing the results of it, but in most uh, cases, from an insurance perspective, it's still considered experimental. So. Mm-hmm. Insurances are not covering it. Uh, at least, uh, if they are, it's very, very few and far between. And these uh, these injections are not cheap. Um, they're you know typically anywhere from depending on what market you're in and and you know and, and where you can get it anywhere from two to five thousand dollars in injection. So, um, you know, it's it's a lot of money to to you know to put out for, for an injection for a problem like that.
1: Dr. Counts, if uh, listeners out there need you or your colleagues' assistance, where can they find you guys?
0: Obviously, the easiest way is just to get us on our uh, main number is 323 You can get us at any of the three locations with that number. Um, and then, of course, online with our, our new website. Um, but, you know, any time that you need something, and even if it's after hours, we have our after hours clinic on Monday through Thursday and on Saturday mornings. So, just give us a call if there's a problem.
1: As always, we appreciate the time. I'll see you out near a football field very soon, Dr. Counts.
0: Yes, sir. I'll see you. Thanks. Dr. Jeff Counts.
1: You ready to resume the Big 12 after the break?
2: Yeah, let's do it.
1: You're in love with Oklahoma.
2: I didn't say that.
1: What about Iowa State? No love for the Cyclones?
2: We'll get to Iowa State.
1: What about TCU? Kevante Turpin. You heard of him?
2: I have heard of him, but...
1: Have you heard of the quarterback?
2: No. (laughs) If I'm being honest, no. (laughs) That's my my bigger issue with TCU.
1: Dennis Collins going to play for uh, TCU this year?
2: I saw him projected as a backup. Nice. So I think he'll get on the field. I'm hopeful.
1: Some good teases. Yeah. We'll talk a little Big 12 football coming up at the break. You can hit us up at 888-993-7762. We're back after this on the Morning Drive. All right, our comprehensive college football previews continue to roll along today. We put the Big 12 under the microscope.
2: Yeah, let's catch people up. Uh, We did the ACC Monday. We did the Big 10 yesterday. We're doing the Big 12 today. Tomorrow we'll have Pac-12. Friday we'll have SEC. And then the following week we'll go over the Conference USA and Sunbelt. I recommended we do more conferences, but Aaron said, no, no, let's stop there. Which I will I will gladly agree to.
1: Like those 11 a.m. football games in the Big Ten, did you think it put listeners to sleep yesterday?
2: Oh, stop. <laughs> Come on.
1: You love those 11 o'clock kicks? Yes.
2: In all uh, of. I don't know, know how
1: fans could enjoy those, but it seems like they embrace
2: You're it. talking about going to it live? Yeah. Oh, no. that's. The, I thought you meant like just watching it Well, right that evening. too. You just have yeah, like to kick dude, off your I'll day wake like up, Yes, wake up. My Saturday ritual is wake up early, call. You know, some high school coaches get some work done, and then at 11 o'clock, Watch college game day. I'm done. 11 o'clock. I'm watching football till what? 11 o'clock midnight.
1: How often is there a good 11 a.m. game? There in the are Big Ten?
2: some. Uh, there will be some uh, the first week. Um, I forgot which ones are, are kicking off, but there's some good ones.
1: They just need to do that too in the Big Ten because it gets so much colder. Yeah. You start the day, and I just can't see myself out there tailgating the at six thirty, seven a.m. Eleven a.m. kicks. Yeah, they're bad games too. Oh,
2: well, most of the time, but I like that you build toward that seven p.m. game. All right. It's like watching a, a fight card. You know, you, you don't start off with the main event. Oh, thunder rolling in.
1: Big Twelve, uh, conference. We're breaking it down. Of course, uh, team that's going to catch the most uh, interest being Oklahoma, and of course, second year head coach Lincoln Riley.
2: Yes. Um, So, um, Lincoln Riley
1: returns, he's got a new contract, Baker Mayfield is not there,
2: though. That's the big thing. Um, But I still like them to win the conference because you look at guys like Marquise Brown and and C.D. Lamb, who are absolute studs at wide receiver, you also look at a guy, Rodney Anderson, in the backfield. I know you've heard that name. I know you've seen him play. He rushed for 1,161 yards and 13 touchdowns, despite not getting a start until week Eight. How about that? That guy was awesome. That's a grown man in the backfield. He'll have another big year. Um, the schedule, you look at it, it isn't easy with UCLA coming to town week two and a road game against Iowa State the following week, but it's not a murderer's row. I mean, it is very doable for Oklahoma. And, and, and while we're talking about the schedule, you know, I do like the plus 21 FAU is getting the opening week of the season because <laughs> – Though I love, I know you're going to connect that to love for Lane Kiffin, but though I'm a huge fan of Colin Murray, I don't expect him to be accurate in week one. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it will be accurate in week 10, honestly. But I, I expect him to struggle out of the gate a little bit. Um, and I think that's going to open the door for some three and outs maybe and for FAU to kind of control the clock with their great running game. So I, I'm just saying, look out for that if you if you're – and they're going to be getting into the betting game this year, FAU plus 21. Not a bad bet.
1: Uh, Oklahoma has won 30 of its last 32 Norman openers. Their last loss for an opener came in 2005 versus TCU. A lot of people were pointing out the last time they had a season opener against a Conference USA squad, it was UTEP, and they won that one 56-7. to But obviously UTEP and Atlantic. A little
2: bit different. Yes. Yeah. And by the way, I'm not saying if he's going to win that game. I'm saying the 21, point, points. 21 points is pretty good. Yeah. All right. So we'll move on to Oklahoma State. They have State.
1: A UCLA in the second week, and then they'll go on the road again for Iowa State.
2: I've already said that. Okay. So I wouldn't pay. Me. I like that you're listening to me. Yeah. That's good. We make <laughs> a good team. All right. Oklahoma State is next. Um, this is an interesting one because – You look at Oklahoma State, and what have we been used to seeing? Mason Rudolph throwing touchdowns to James Washington. Neither guy's there anymore. So you're talking about uh, statistically the most proficient pass-catch duo in school history is no longer there. So this is going to be a whole (laughs) new story with Oklahoma State. And you look at the quarterback battle, you know, who's going to emerge? I don't know much about these guys that are battling for the the spot. What I do know, though – is that typically whoever steps in in that quarterback role in Mike Gundy's system, they typically have success. So I don't expect them to take a huge step backwards, though it will be a step back nonetheless. Um, you, you look at what they return alongside him, Justice Hill. I mean, really, I think what you're going to be asking the quarterback to do is just provide enough of a, of a passing threat to to account for Justice Hill and, and, and make space for Justin Justice Hill on the ground because he's going to be uh, another tremendous uh, back for them. Offensive line is deep so you know I don't think they should have any issues toting the rock. Um, they were third in the conference last season in rushing but if you're looking for them to repeat the 390 passing yards per game that they uh, did last season I you know I would ha- I would temper my expectations there because Rudolph is no longer there. Um, on the defense Gundy hired Jim Knoll, so he'll be bringing his 425 system uh, to, to Oklahoma State, I'm interested in how that scheme fares against those Big 12 offenses. I think, you know, on paper, it should it should be a better fit, right? Uh, but they've said that they want to be more aggressive this year. So I think that might provide some opportunities for some big plays against them. Hmm. But uh, we'll see.
1: Uh, you mentioned, of course, the loss of Rudolph and Washington. They're, they are not the only players they lost. With experience coming back, uh, they rank somewhere around 119, yeah. 120, out of 130 Division One squads. They yeah.
2: lost quite a bit, man. They lost quite a bit. But uh, we all know Gundy's a, a really good coach. And, you know.
1: The fact, I mean, you gave him a lot of uh, props there, just listing them second behind Oklahoma. It's kind of taking them over the likes of T- Texas and TCU.
2: Yeah, uh, that's where I am today. Um, TCU, let's go TCU, because they lost a lot too, man. I, I think – This is the reason why I think the Big 12 doesn't have a chance to send a one-loss team to the college football playoff. It's because of the the lack of the depth in the league. When you get to TCU in Texas, you know, you're you're projecting, but there's not a whole lot of confidence that you're projecting at, meaning TCU's likely going to be a middle-tier squad this year. Just kind of looking at them on paper, their their defense is going to be really good, and we all know Gary Patterson puts good defenses on the field, but offense they lose their starting quarterback Mm -hmm. they lose their starting tailback they lose four offensive linemen and of course they lose playmakers like john dr so we know very well in this area so who knows how good this offense will be of course you know they still got some some really good playmakers in kavante turpin and Jalen rager can't wait to see what they do uh this season but overall man i and i'll say this i was reading some previews in some magazines and, and somebody said i can't remember who Somebody said that they, they feel like this could be the best um, collection of offensive talent that Gary Patterson's ever had, mm. which really raised my eyebrows because, you know, I don't really – you know, I think they're unproven at this point. I don't really know what they can do at this level. So that's what's that's what's something, you know, you need to look out for is uh, can this offense play catch-up? Good thing is the defense, you know – they ranked number one in the Big 12 in every major category last year, and they were trying a good core of that group. So I expect TCU to be in the conversation. I just think when you're talking about replacing, you know, you're starting quarterback, tailback, uh, four offensive linemen, man, that's tough to do. Uh, so I want to see how this offense progresses through the year.
1: I was never sold on Kenny Hill. I know he had some big performances. I know, performance I know you there. weren't. Uh, they got a kid, uh, Sean uh, Robinson, a sophomore. He played in a few games uh, last year. Is it asking too much, of course, for Parkway's Justin Rogers coming off a knee injury, true freshman thing, coming and he, in and making an impact for TCU?
2: And, and Gary Patterson doesn't typically like to hand the keys over to a freshman either. That said, I think if Rogers would have been fully healthy, I think he would have had a great chance to come in there and start. But like you said, he's coming off that knee injury. Uh, I, I, I don't. I think you got to go with, with one of the older guys.
1: You know the return game though will be solid with Cavante Turpin.
2: Oh yeah, everybody will still be holding their breath every time he, he catches a. a Hopefully he
1: can stay healthy up. this year and big year for video game Cavante Turf.
2: Yes, uh, let's do one more and then we can take a break. Uh, Texas, I think, is a team that I, I I'm very curious to see what the growth is in year two. Um, I thought they did some good things last year, and I did see some progression, but. Overall, for me, I thought it was the quarterback position that held them back. I mean, you look at uh, Sam Ellinger and, and Shane Bichelle, they'll battle it out for qu- starting quarterback this year, but in three games last year, they led USC, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State in the fourth quarter and then lost those games with critical turnovers down the stretch. And that goes to the youth at quarterback. They're going to be a year older this year. I want to see you know, whoever emerges out of that quarterback battle, whoever's the starting guy for, for the entire year, I want to see – if they can manage the game better this year. And I think if they do, I think that's going to amount to two or three more wins for Texas this year because you look at this team, yeah, the offensive line had its issues last year, but they got a new offensive line coach, uh, Herb Hand from Auburn. I, I, I hope, expect him to, to fix some of those issues. You got a guy like Lil Jordan Humphrey, who was one of the most exciting players in college football, got him as a skill player. Um, and Texas was better on defense last season than most – People remember, but a big part of that was Malik Jefferson, who was one of the best defense players in the country. Don't have him anymore, don't have that luxury. So, you know, can a def- defense move on without him? Uh, Texas secondary should be nasty this year, though, because with the number one and number three safety prospects in the country joining a couple of top 100 corners that they got in that recruiting class, Man, look out for that Texas secondary. It might take him a few weeks, but I think uh, over the course of the season, you're going to see that secondary really be stout. And that's another thing. This is the first time we could see Tom Herman with the guys he recruited, right? Uh, He took some flack last year. You remember after the loss to Maryland, he said.
0: Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com